You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. Remember, it's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed, reproduced or used in any form without permission. For more information or to get in touch, please visit our website, www.bgtfshow.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the British GT Fan Show for all the latest on the 2020 Intelligent Money British GT Championship and more. Coming up on the latest episode of the British GT Fan Show, we've got the latest news roundup, our rundown of the amended full season entry for the 2020 Intelligent Money British GT Championship, our guide to Alton Park, and an update on our esports. First up on today's news items, we've got an update on the 2022 BMW M4 GT3 car. This has been seen for the first time on the streets of Dingolfing in Germany. The factory race driver Augusto Farfis took the car out for its maiden drive on the streets of the town near the plant. The M4 is, of course, the future replacement of the BMW M6 GT3, which was most recently seen in the British GT Championship being raced by Century Motorsport. The car's development will continue at Miramas in France uh, and Farfus will lead the testing drivers. Jens Marquardt, the head of BMW Motorsport, has given a statement um, and in that he said that given the difficult conditions of the past few months, it's quite remarkable that we've managed to implement our development programme as planned. Whilst complying with the BMW Group's strict safety and hygiene regulations throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, have managed to stick to the date originally envisaged for the rollout of the BMW M4 GT3. What do you guys think about the car? From the back, it looks like a lovely car. We've only seen photos from the back. So I'm guessing that BMW are as horrified by what they've designed at the front end as the rest of the world is. Because it's a lovely car that, if it's got the standard road-going grille, is ruined by the kidney grille. Um, but it does look it does look pretty good. Nice wide arch kit on it. Um, Aero looks, doesn't look as developed as some of the other cars that are around um i will be honest but yeah i say it's 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 a pre-production mule there's not a lot we can really go on i was about to say the same as nick i mean if if all they're showing us is the back end i'm i'm i think they're still trying to work on the trying to make the uh, m4 front end look in some way reasonable um so yeah i think we just have to, i would i'm personally prepared to wait uh, until i can see you know, more photos of it and see, see footage of it on track. Shots of the M4 road car, the front of it, it's going to take, they're going to have to do some serious work with the new GT3 car to make it look half decent. Uh, we were joking around on the fan page the other day saying that people will just get out of its way because it just looks horrible. But we'll see. It's a fantastic way to win a race, isn't it? Because nobody wants you in their review mirrors. <laughs> So I understand from the article, the the main articles that have been around as well, that they will be doing more testing next year. The way that the manufacturers these days develop their cars is they'll do their their, their testing at, at their preferred test track. Um, so Ferrari, for example, will build it, then they'll run it at Fiorino because they own the circuit for a while. But then they will either, as a manufacturer, like Bentley do with M Sport, 
or using uh, favoured customer teams like Aston Martin do with our motorsport, etc. Um, they'll send the cars out for a season of development in competition. So we're looking at 2022 for the debut of the car as a customer car, but we'll see it being raced in something like GT World Challenge. Um, if not for a full season next year, then for, for for quite a few rounds. What we probably won't see is it running in Intercontinental GT Challenge um, because it would need to be homologated by, I think it's November of this year, for it to run at Bathurst. I was about to say, well, you won't, won't be surprised to see it in the uh, NLS or NES, whatever, whatever you want to call it now, um, or even VLN if you want to go back to last year's title. Um, and seeing it rain, racing in the SPX class out there, um, oh, as I say, won't be surprised to see it by, won't be surprised to see it by the end of the year. Out there. K- KTM are using Creventic to develop their new car. They're right. They're running it in the um, SPX class of Creventic, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Next up on the news items, uh, Renault Sport Racing confirmed that they've postponed their new Clio Cup UK Championship until 2021. The customer racing director, Benoit Nogier, said in their issued statement that Renault's enjoyed incredible success with its motorsport programmes in the UK for more than 40 years, particularly with the Clio Cup brand. This, therefore, is not a decision that we've taken lightly at all. It's important to stress that our decision is based on feedback from the teams as much as anything else. Renault Sport Racing have acknowledged the impact of COVID-19 on business models everywhere, including in the UK, and their decision to postpone is based on stakeholder feedback, being that teams would like more time to test the new car being introduced for 2020. Renault have also said that in order to facilitate this, they are making dedicated track time available at British GT events for teams to test the car, which will be at no cost to the teams. And the UK teams are also invited to race their new cars in Clio Cup France and Spain to help them further with that. And they are very much aiming to return with a full Clio Cup UK Championship in 2021. Obviously, it's sad that we've lost a support series for joining the British GT Championship this season. What are your thoughts on this? It's sad to see them go. You know, it's always a bit of touring car action is, is, is always a bit of a welcome break during a GT weekend, I think especially when we used to have the minis and stuff like that. I hope these test sessions aren't going to be during the main days of the, of, of, of the, of the events, hopefully Friday, uh, hopefully Friday before the events or the Saturdays, just to, you know, if, if more track time can be given to the GTs and to the Genettas and stuff like that, and, and on all the rest of the sports series, hopefully, hopefully they can give that, that time to them and let the, what was it, five full season entries that the Clio's had? Hopefully they can give them, you know, an hour on Saturday morning, just give them Friday afternoon to, to to run around with. See, I wouldn't mind. I mean, Alton Park this year, I'm just going to Sunday. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing the cars on the Sunday so so, so I can see them. They're, they're a new car. I want to see a new race car. I want to get it in front of my camera. But... I also understand, of course, we, we discussed this before we recorded and Andrew was uninspired at the prospect of seeing cars testing on race day, um, which I can understand. But the thing that has occurred to me since, of course, is that with the restrictions that are now in place for COVID-19, 
you you probably will find them running on the Friday because British GT cars aren't allowed to test that close to a race weekend at the circuit they're racing on. So the British GT guys can turn up on Friday evening after the Clio Cup guys have left, which reduces the number of people working in the paddock and the pit lane and reduces the risk of transmission, aids in social distancing, etc. Yeah, so so there you go. There's another reason not to have them on. If <laughs> you're actually out on the actually out on the on the week, as I say, hopefully a Friday afternoon. Hopefully, giving them their extra time, they'll make sure we get some decent sized grid for next year. If the rumored five entries was what we're going to have this year, it would have been um, wouldn't been the best spectacle to watch. Five cars can have a decent race, but on a especially like the Silverstone Grand Prix circuit, five cars driving around that have been a bit. Um, have a, have a bacon sandwich every every lap, I think. But it'll make it easier for newbies like me. It'll be a lot easier to follow just five cars around a track than 25 cars. Until you have three of them coming together at the first corner and then you've got a 20-minute race with two cars in it. Cleos do have the history of somehow hitting each other. Um, so even with five, they're probably good. Wasn't there a Clio Cup, Clio Cup team that used to put sponsor logos on the bottom of the car just in case? because they spend so much time on their roof. Can't honestly say on that. Okay, there's obviously been a huge number of announcements um, related to the upcoming British GT Championship in terms of team and driver changes uh, going on. There's too many to go through individually. We have got all the full details on our website, um, so feel free to go and have a look at that. Uh, which is www.bgtfshow.co.uk. And we are going to cover them in the next segment um, as we discuss the entry list and a bit of a preview of Alton Park. Hi, I'm Michael O'Brien, professional racing driver for McLaren, and I'm delighted to be joining the guys on the British GT Fan Show. Go and check them out, and uh, yeah, you won't be disappointed. And be sure to check out British GT Fans on Facebook and Fans of British GT on Instagram and Twitter. I think what we're best doing at this point is, first of all, going through the cars that have been completely withdrawn. And unfortunately, there are a few of them. Um, because our nice 35 car entry is now down to 23 for the full season. Uh, 24 for the full season, sorry, with 21 for Alton Park. Uh, the biggest shock in the news in the run-up to to this announcement was TF Sports, uh, who we have previously discussed were, were going to be struggling uh, with needing several places at once. Um, what they have done as a result of the situation is withdrawn both of their GT3 cars. So defending champion Graham Davidson and reigning GT4 champion Tom Canning won't be racing in the number one car. And uh, GT World Challenge champion Ahmed Al-Harty and reigning champion Johnny Adam won't be racing in the number seven. Now, with that, we did get news of another car coming in that we weren't expecting, but we'll get to that in a moment. JRM Racing have also announced that they've decided to, uh, because of the situation and that sponsors, teams, drivers, all thought that it it wasn't right that they go racing while people are being furloughed and laid off. Uh, JRM have pulled their uh, Bentley Continental GT3 for Kelvin Fletcher and Martin Plowman, 
who were stepping up from GT4 this year, but they're confident they're coming back next year. Uh, we have no GCAT racing uh, showing on the entry list. Um, so we're looking like they've been withdrawn as well for Seamus Jennings and Greg Catton. And one of the two Beach Dean AMR cars has been completely withdrawn. That's a Silver Cup entry, number 98 of Valentin Hasklow and Jack Mitchell. Now, Valentin and Jack will get some driving this year because they have been confirmed to be doing selected rounds with Andrew Howard. He's had to step back a little bit because uh, obviously Ross Gunn is a factory driver. There's a lot of clashes with factory racing commitments. Um, so the decision's been made to to go down to a uh, single car, selected rounds on that one. Um, but we do still have a, a fair entry in GT3 here uh, with a few names that we weren't expecting. And the top name on the list I've got here is Jensen Team Rocket RJN. Uh, now, this is the team that Jensen Button and Chris Buncombe are, are organising along with Bob Neville over at uh, RJN Motorsport, who used to run Nissans in the championship. James Baldwin is the first driver in the car. He's the winner of the world's fastest gamer competition last year. And he is joined by Michael O'Brien. What's our thoughts on this one, chap? Um, having a team that's pulled their entry from GT Endurance to come across the British GT shows how good the championship is and having Michael O'Brien step up from GT4 for Balf and then obviously bringing James Baldwin in who has been doing some of the online gaming for um, for, team, uh, for the Jensen team as well. It's another McLaren in the series. We can't, we, we all like the McLaren. Um, hopefully Butler might make an appearance perhaps at Silverstone, you never know, fingers crossed. Um, no, it's, it's a good little car, it looks good. It's, um, Possibly, I would say an outside bet for the championship, but yeah, it may be a little bit early to say that one, given that we don't really know the quality of Baldwin as a real world driver. He's he's done some stuff in the past. Um, he's done Race of Champions. He's done Formula Ford as well. Um, so he's he, he's got some. Some credits for his name, but he's he's never driven anything quite as uh, quite as um, wieldy as a as a GT3 car. I I'm I'm looking forward to see this one out on track. Um, I although I don't know James um, even from his online exploits. I'm I'm I like Michael O'Brien as a driver, so uh, you know to see him step up to GT3 um, is would be would be something to something nice to see out on track. Uh, and you know to have RJN back with with uh, the Jensen and uh, Buncombe um, power behind it, you know, can only be a good thing. Next up on the entry list, both Autumn Park and Full Season, uh, we've got the number six car, which is Ram Racing's Mercedes, which survives the the lockdown unchanged from its previous announcement. That's Ian Loggy and Yelma Berman in a Ram Racing Mercedes. Also unchanged is the number 69 for the team, uh, which was Sam Dehan and Patrick Kajala. So that those two cars come through unscathed. The only thing I will say here is that it does make the number 69 car look pretty good for a, for a strong run at the championship this year, doesn't it? Yeah, I've thought this about Sam. Um, he's, he's got his eye on the championship this year. 
Um, and Mr. Loggy was my secret weapon uh, in the in the fantasy league last year, scoring a lot of points for me when no one expected him to. So you know, uh, I could, I, I expect to see both these cars at the, up the front of the field. Can't miss them; they're bright enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't argue with that. Uh, next up, of course, is Team Abba Racing again, completely unchanged lineup. It does help when you own the car, own the team, and you are the father of the co-driver for, for that sort of thing. So that's Sam Neary and Richard Neary in number eight, Team Abba Racing Mercedes-Benz, which, I mean, there's nothing on the entry list to, to denote it, but I am going to point out here, was at Media Day and probably still will be the only previous generation Mercedes in the field. Judging by the pictures in the testing, yes. The, um, and when we spoke to Richard last year, he, I don't think he was intending to upgrade it anyway. So I think he's sticking with the old, uh, the older generation version. Why would you spend four hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand euros on a racing car to spend two hundred thousand euros upgrading it to the new spec? Yeah, he did. He did say last year that he 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 would only he would only upgrade if he was forced to, didn't he? So uh, as as long as the old uh, configuration, as long as the old homologation is still legal, essentially, uh, I think that's what he'll be racing. Next up on the entry list, both full season and for Alton Park, is Two Seas Motorsport. And we do still have two cars showing. They have also announced that they have a third that they're looking for drivers for. Um, but with the number 10 car, uh, which was assigned to Isa Al Khalifa, now being completely vacant of drivers on the entry list, filling car number three before you've got drivers in car number two, Smack slightly of walking, uh, of running before you can walk. Uh, Dean McDonald and Angus Fender, who were previously confirmed in the number nine car, stay in the number nine car. And there's been quite a bit of social media activity about these guys out testing. So, what are we thinking about this one? I'm looking forward to see what they can do. Um, you know, we know the two confirmed guys, Dean McDonald and Angus Fender, can can um, pedal a car around the track quite 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 nicely. So we're uh, um just have to have to wait upon who they get confirmed for the number 10 um be nice to see the uh the nice bright blue colors of those cars going around so angus fender did a good job when he jumped up to the um century m6 last year so that car suddenly moved up to silver class but the car performed better with him in it um so yeah, he should do good in that he's a, he's had a bit of experience with gt3 mcdonald's first year in gt3 but again it's um Decent young driver, he'll do, he'll do good in the car. And two C's are making a big song and dance about being in British GT and other series. So I think they're here for the long run and they're going to push as far as they can to do the best they can. Last time a GT racing team arrived with the level of preparation and presentation that two C's did, I looked at it and I thought, it last. That was a team called Ram Racing, and given that they're still here, that proves that I was wrong. I'm not prepared to dismiss Two C's Motorsport out of hand. I think there's good things to be seen from. Say, if Dean can get his head around the GT3 car quickly, and given the amount of testing we, well, they've been doing, he he should be able to. Uh, then it's looking pretty good. Um, and what I will say, Angus told us, of course, when we interviewed him, that the BMW was a bit more of a handful than the McLaren 
is McLaren's a lot more comfortable on the edge. So if Angus could extract the performance he could out of that BMW, what's he going to do with a McLaren? So next up on, again, both entry lists, full season and on the Autumn Park entry list, is the WPI Motorsport Lamborghini. Uh, Michael Igo, of course, is the is, is the boss of the team and the AM driver in the car. There has been a change here. We get Dennis Lind back. Um, so that's uh, another factory driver added to our stable again. I'm, I'm I'm expecting good things from this entry this year. They they showed very good promise last year, um, and now having Lamborghini factory support, Dennis being a well sought after Lamborghini factory driver. Um, I'm 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 ex- I'm expecting some pretty good things from this car. Years with experience, and obviously they've been also driving the car in other series as well to help Michael with experience for it. I actually saw the car at GT Cup at Snetterton early this month. And, uh, Mike Igo did the two sprint races, and they won all four races across the weekend. They had a competition from JMH over there, who we'll talk about in a minute. They, Michael was buying, and I think Dennis was just getting back, getting used to the car again. Um, in the Pro-Am, never know. Could be a good year for them. Yeah, I certainly expect to see this car some, somewhere at the front. Um, I, think, I think the team, uh, Michael and the team, uh, impressed last year. Uh, and with with Dennis in the in with the in the in the pro driver's seat, it can only it can only um, go forward, can't it? Now the next car on the full season entry list, unfortunately, isn't on the Alton Park entry list. We we are happy to to confirm that Stella Motorsport are still aiming for a GT3 entry this year, and they are still confirmed as a full season entry, but they're not coming to the first round of the championship and they have no drivers confirmed in the car. Having them intending to do the full season is just a good thing to have. Audi in GT3 again brings another manufacturer um, to the field. And as long as they get some decent drivers, it's say it's just all it's all good to have an Audi back in GT3. We know we know Stella can prepare a car. We know that we know that Audi does a does a good car. Um so you know, just needs the drivers to to pedal it around the track. I, if if they if they get if they get someone good enough, then with the with the grader team, I'd expect to. I'd ex- again, I'd, I'd expect it. I'd expect it to see somewhere up the front. Talking about additional manufacturers uh, to the to the championship, the bad news with regards to TF Sport pulling out was was eased slightly by. The arrival of AF Corsa UK, uh, which was Spirit of Race last time it raced, with a Ferrari 488 GT3 Evo. It's for Duncan Cameron and Matt Griffin. They are on both the full season and Autumn Park entry lists. Uh, Now, Ferrari hasn't really had a massive amount of luck in British GT, but then Ferrari's not had a massive amount of luck in GT3 racing in general in the past. This new car is already making waves. It won at the ring a few weeks ago in, in the uh, in the Nürburgring Langstracker series, uh, NLS, NES, depending on which language you want to speak. So what are we thinking about this effort? Seeing a Ferrari is always good. Duncan and Matt had a bit of a bit of an issue, has had some issues uh, last weekend 
when they were out racing in the LMS in the GTE. Uh, wouldn't like the same car, I don't know, because uh, of course Ferrari is the is one of the two cars that can be swapped from GT3 to GTE and back again. But you know, as I say, it's all it's always good to see them back and you know see that green and white car going around. It's so it can be can be a good thing for the for the championship. I'd say even if they were planning on using the same chassis, this is this is AF Corsa. Now, if I recall rightly, the ELMS entry is actually run as AF Corsa, not AF Corsa UK or Spirit of Race. So it's it's technically a different team because of the name. Obviously, it's it's Amato Ferrari's guys. Um, so it, it is it's all run under the all run by the same people, no matter what banner it's under. But what I'm getting at here is the fact that it's 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 a joke in the industry that there's two very large vending machines in that man's factory. One of them's full of top class drivers, and the other one's full of cars. So even if they completely wrote off the car that raced at, it was Paul Ricard, wasn't it? Even if they even if they completely wrote off the car that raced at Paul Ricard, there's gonna be another chassis sat there that can be turned into a GT3 pretty promptly. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt at all. Um, you know, but of course, I, th- I think Duncan does actually own his own car. And, you know, I, 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 it, was only, it was only a slight off. I mean, he put them, it, it didn't, it, it unfortunately, had to be, they had to be towed back to the paddock, which means they couldn't carry on with the rest of the race after the accident. But it wasn't anything extensive. So if it is the same car, then I'll just expect it to be all. One thing I I, I did see on on this one, um, obviously Tom Hornsby, who does media for British GT, he he went into a a fair bit of detail about the changes that have been made on the Evo spec 488. Now, electronics updates, aero updates, they're they're bolt-on parts. But apparently this evolution of an existing car Includes a strengthened chassis and a longer wheelbase. How's that an Evo? How's that not a whole new car? It does say it does sound like a whole new car to me, doesn't it? If they if they if they can if they can still say it's a Evo package by by including the same underpinnings, I suppose, then that's the way that's the way they've marketed it, isn't it? It's like Trigger's Brum from Only Fools and Horses, isn't it? <laughs> The next car on the full season entry list, unfortunately, doesn't make it onto the Autumn Park list. Uh, and that's JMH Auto, uh, John Searle and Marcus Clutton uh, drawing an Evo spec Huracan GT3 um, this year. So an upgrade to the car that he raced at Selected last year, um, John Searle. He's been out at... Uh, GT Cup, which was his his bread and butter last year, so he, he's got some running in this year already. Obviously, found himself a new co-driver and a new co-driver of British GT renown, uh, the 2009 Supersport champion uh, with a KTM Crossbow Expo, and the 2011 GT4 champion with the same car. This is a proper like pro am entry. Having John as the am and then Marcus Clutton as obviously the um, pro driver. What British GT is, this is the proper entry of what it should be really, uh, what the championship is based on. So having the decent, having the nice big green Lamborghini coming round 
it won't I'm I say I'm means the nicest way, it won't challenge for the championship, but I think on its day in a good chance of perhaps the odd podium here and there. Oh, shame it's going to miss Alton Park because that was the Lamborghini suits Alton Park. Could have a, a decent result there. We got it all full season. I'll do good. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's it's not it's nice to see the very much uh, crew back uh, again, the, um, but this time for well, if we're theoretically a full season, even though they're missing uh, the first round. Hopefully, it will lead to you know, more more entries in the future. I don't I don't expect to see this volume for. The, the top title, I don't think, but you know, given the right circumstances, we could we could certainly see it in the points. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to agree with, with with everything that's been been said there. It's going to be in the mix for the for, for the pro am championship, I think. But it's that that's going to be because finishing between tenth and sixth is going to be finishing between seventh and third in class. Um, I, I don't see this car troubling the overall podium very often, um, especially with with the other Lamborghinis that are there to to take the the benefits that having a Lamborghini offers. But it is, I say, we do keep saying it. it it's nice to see, um, and I'm not meaning to be pejorative uh, to the effort in any way, but in the situation that we're in, any car's welcome. I'm glad that we're getting this car because it's nice to see a car coming back and, and committing to the majority of a season, if not every round. Next up on the entry list, uh, both full season and all park, um, is good news for us because with the with the loss of JRM, that's a Bentley gone, but we do still have one. Team Parker Racing, the number 66, that lovely blue and black machine we saw at Media Day for Nick Jones and Scott Malvin, former GT4 Pro-Am champions, now stepping up to to, to the big leagues in, in GT3 uh, with the, the new Bentley. Seen plenty of testing videos from these guys. Uh, good to see that you know these guys step up. I, th- I think I think no, I think they uh, I think they certainly stand a chance at the Pro-Am Championship. And certainly, and certainly, hope to see him on on the, on the podium a couple of times this, this year. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen these guys in a GT3 car yet, apart from at Media Day. And you never know what's happening in testing. So they could have been running full fuel. They could have been running no fuel. They could have been running brand new or used tires. It's uh, it's it's you, you just don't know. But Nick Jones is a safe pair of hands. Scott Malvin is he, he's a proper pro, and looking at the other cars that are in the pro M class in, in in GT3, there really aren't many that I'd say that they aren't the match of. So this could be a very good debut in the top class for them. Second year for Parker using the new uh, the gently uh, gently the Bentley Continental <laughs> GT. <laughs> Leave that one in. I don't care. Um, <laughs> using the Gen Two Bentley. Um, see, they're also running or two in GT Endurance, I believe, and doing that as well. So they've got plenty of cars going around to get lots of experience using the um, Bentley Gen Two. But that's going to help them. Scott Malvin has been doing an awful lot of testing with that car. Nick, I think, has only had a few sessions in it um, since lockdown. So Scott's been in the car quite a lot, judging by his social media. 
Yeah, and the the, the changes to the tyres should help this this car in particular, uh, in that the tyres should be a bit more durable. Uh, we would advise anybody listening to to listen to the separate episode uh, that we're putting out, which is our interview with Rick Parfit Jr., where he does touch on the tyre problems that, that, that the Bentley had in 2018 and, and then again in 2019. And, and having a slightly more durable set of rubber could play into these guys' hands. So moving on, we've already covered the number 69 car because that was Ram Racing. We discussed them at the same time as we discussed Ian Loggy and Yama Berman further up. So next up will be the Barbell Motorsport Lamborghinis, the 72 and the 78. The driver lineups are unchanged from the announcements that were made at and on the same day as Media Day. So Adam Ballon and Phil Keane, um, who must be looking at this year as as the year to take the title, because with with Johnny Adam not in it, with the Graham Davidson car not in it, with the cars that have been consistently denying Phil Keane the chance that a win, not in it. This this is this has got to be the year that 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 Barwell take the title, I think. Alongside them is Rob Collard of Touring Car Fame and Sandy Mitchell in a silver cup entry. Obviously both running Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evos. You'd expect nothing less than Barwell. I personally can't see to wait to see either of these two cars out on track. As you say, Adam and Phil, Adam and Phil should be shooing for the title. Should be. It's been denied to him before, and it's nice to see Rob Collard coming and doing some proper racing for once uh, alongside uh, Mister Mister Mitchell. Yeah, Rob stepping up to stepping up to British GT. Oh, it's definitely um, a step up. <laughs> as long as he doesn't bring the touring car driving standards along, we're all right. Now, um, now, let's play, guys. Having Rob step up to British GT um, from British Jet from British Touring Cars helps bring a sort of a well-known name to British motorsport for us, brings more fans to us, which is always a good thing. Having the he has got a good teammate, um, Sandy Mitchell. Sandy's been with Barwell for a little while. He's well, he's used to the car. He's used to Barwell. Between the Barwell, it's like take your pick and who's going to be the fastest car. And as long as they don't do what they did last year by Having silly incidents like between themselves, like, like the Silverstone, and say either car could be the overall overall champion. Not have silly incidents between themselves. They've put a touring car driver in one of the cars. <laughs> we'll give him benefit of the doubt. And now he's joined up to the proper series of British GT. Uh, what I will say is, you find you find a lot of touring car drivers come across to to GT racing, and it takes them a little while to understand the differences between touring cars and GT racing and the touring car paddock and the British GT paddock. I don't think we're going to have this with Rob because he's been in and around the paddock for a couple of years now. Obviously, Jordan has been racing in GT4 and when Rob's not racing himself, he'll he'll, he'll have been supporting his son. I was about to say, I mean... Rob, Rob, Rob has enough um, experience of just watching his his two sons um, 
racing uh, in GT uh, in GT3 in GT racing and and with Ricky in GT3 uh, internationally. Um, so I'd hope these driving standards would be up to what we would expect, and uh, and and would be would you be able to hand his car over to to Sunday in a you know in a viable enough state to carry on for the rest of the race. Uh, and I noticed he's I noticed he's picked a mid-engined car, so there's no radiators right at the front. So if he if he does backslide, he shouldn't do too much damage. Most of Rob's success in British touring cars did come in rear drive cars in the BMWs. His last year with the um the front wheel drive Astro for PMR wasn't the best. And I think I think he I think his driving style really suits a rear drive car. So moving across to HGT should suit his driving style technically. Yeah. And I say you, you, you find touring car drivers that, that struggle to make the change. You also find touring car drivers that take to it like a duck to water. Sam toured off anybody? I remember him struggling. Maybe, 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 maybe that was me. Didn't set the world alight, and he soon ran back to British touring cars. So I wouldn't yeah, say yeah. he did all right in it. But he's been, he's been racing in endurance racing and uh, another thing since. It's he may not have he may not have settled in British GT, but he, he he's got his head around. GT and endurance racing. So the final car on the GT3 entry list is the Optimum Motorsport McLaren 720S GT3. These guys have changed brands again. They spent two years running two different types of Aston Martin, uh, but they have now changed to McLaren. And the plan was to run two cars, but there is just the one. And it's not the one that we were expecting from Media Day. Um, the Optimum Motorsport machine for Martin Berry and Nick Foster isn't on the entry list at all. Instead, we have the number 96. Uh, Lewis Proctor steps up from GT4, uh, the Tolman car last year, to take the pro driver slot in the car. And Ollie Wilkinson has switched his plans from, from doing GT in, in Europe from the GT World Challenge and he's coming back for a defence of his Silver Cup crown. I think this is going to be going to be a threat for not just Silver Cup, but potentially the overall championship based on performances last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with that one. Um, I would expect to um, this, these guys to be serious championship contenders. Uh, we, know, we know, as again, we know Optum can prepare a car. We know the two drivers can pedal quite decently, and we know that the McLaren. Um, was one of the fastest cars out on track at the second half of last year. So, um, you know, if everything goes well, we can we will certainly see them up there. I think. Optimum swapping to the McLarens this year, they have got quite a few of them on their books already. Um, so the intention was to run Martin and Nick this year, and if they can get out of Australia, they might make appearances this year as well. So that's on the on the line. are also running in European series. Gaz can probably help me with this one because his European GC experience is better than mine. Which ones are they running, Gaz? What was that? In in Optimum uh, running, aren't they this weekend in GT Endurance? I think they might be. And, and they're doing another one with Ollie. Um, oh, uh, GT Cup. Uh, GT Open. That's that one as well. So they've got plenty, running, plenty of McLarens everywhere. I'm gonna 
scooch ahead slightly here. Uh, I'm going to talk very briefly about GT4 because at Media Day, we had two GT4 570Ss entered by Optimum for, uh, for, for the GT4 class. Those cars have now been withdrawn. Those cars are now up for sale. So there's no chance of those cars really appearing during the course of the year. It means that a team that was set up to run three cars with six drivers who don't have a massive amount of experience of British GT and British racetracks can now focus all their attention on Ollie Wilkinson and Lewis Proctor. And we're talking guys that were they were fighting for the title last year in GT4 in Lewis. And they claimed the Silver Cup Championship last year with Ollie Wilkinson, with a round to spare as well. So you've got all of the brain power of Optimum focused on two drivers that have already proved they are they are pretty damn quick. This is going to be a strong effort out of the box. It's gonna it, it's gonna be quicker Alton. It's gonna be quick as a bunny all year. And then the added benefit, and and Andrew touched on this earlier saying that the fastest car in the latter half of last year was the McLaren 720S. Now, that car is back this year on a round-by-round basis. They're not doing every every race. And Sean Balfe and Rob Bell, who were driving it last year, aren't doing the driving. Instead, we've got Stuart Proctor and Joe Osborne doing the driving. Joe, of course, is a McLaren factory driver. Stuart is is an am. Um so but selected rounds, not as experienced with the car, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I think the real threat McLaren in the field has has neutralized itself in news just before we we, we went to went to recording on this one. Um so it could be pretty good for not just Silver Cup but an overall win for Optimum potentially. So the new Balfe lineup, um, Stuart is actually that is actually Stuart's car. Uh, he bought that to race. Alf have been running round with a the red car that was obviously Sean and Rob's, and been having this mysterious black one as well. So since lockdown has lifted, they've been running both those cars testing. So that's been Stuart and Joe testing since lockdown's lifted. So they, they've had plenty of time in that car. Alf know what they're doing with the car. Michael O'Brien's been helping him. He was driving the red one a lot. So Stuart should have some decent experience with the car. Joe should know the car like the back of his hand. So I think they'll have a good start of the season. They're not going to be running blind into it. And they should, I think they'll have a decent year with it. You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. You can find us on social media at BGTF Show. Or visit our website at www.bgtfshow.co.uk. Also visit our partners, British GT Fans, on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter. It's Fans of British GT. We're going to break up our discussion of the entry list a little bit by bringing you our guide to Alton Park. Now that we're on the cusp of going back to racing, we thought we would add in a new segment for the next few episodes. A little bit about the venues that we're going to, just in case you've not been there before or you want a hint or tip. And if you've got any other questions that we haven't covered in this, please do let us know on our social media and we will include them for the next episode and beyond. So first up, 
So Alton Park, next weekend, let's say you're two hours away from the circuit. What time would you be setting your alarm for and how would you be expecting traffic to be? Right, well, warm up on Sunday. I'm going just for Sunday. Warm up starts at midday. So it's a late start for, for Alton Park this year. Uh, that's due to circuit licensing and things like that. We usually race on Easter Monday, which was just a bank holiday, isn't it? A Sunday. Um, so they can, they, they can start earlier. I, I mean, I am an hour and a half, two hours away. And I will tend to leave. If I'm aiming to be there for 12, I'd leave probably about between half nine and 10. There's a lot of roads around the venue and there's a lot of roads between me here in Sheffield and the venue, which are single lane in each direction, quite twisty. So if you get stuck behind a truck or, or a tractor, then, then it's going to add a little bit to your journey. Of course, the circuit is in a parkland area. It is very narrow roads around. If you are coming in a large camper van, motorhome, uh, two axle or bigger caravan, you're probably better off doing the motorway up to the 56 and then coming in from the 56. That's the route all the transporters take in. And it's perfectly fine for lorries. If you're coming in from crew uh, from the crew area from the south, then you're getting some pretty twisty roads. It is doable in those vehicles, but it's going to get tight. And if we're expecting a fair bit of traffic, which we probably are because it's the first major event to be held at the circuit this year, then you might find you, you catch a car coming the other way at the wrong time. So it's, mate, take the safe route, go the long way around. It'll be a much less stressful journey for you. And what's parking like when you get there? Is it going to be a case of expect to take your hiking boots or is it quite accessible? It all depends on the weather, to be honest. Uh, Alton Park is a circuit that's owned by Motorsport Vision. That's Jonathan Palmer's organisation that also owns Brands Hatch, Donington, Snetterton uh, from, from the British GT calendar. One of the nice things about MSV, uh, Motorsport Vision, is that they try to keep the circuits as traditional as they can. And all the parks that you hear of, Alton Park, Donington Park, are so named because they're, they're laid out in parkland. Um, so you've got a lot of grass around the circuit in terms of the track, but you've also got a lot of grass around the circuit in terms of the infield and outfield areas where spectators can go now access roads are all either tarmac or hard gravel so you shouldn't have a massive problem even if you're driving something low slug and sporty getting into the venue um, in terms of parking there's three areas that you can park the outside of lodge um, and down to old hall so along the, the, the start finish straight uh, there's a parking area down towards Old Hall Corner, and you come in through the uh, through the East Gate entrance to get to that one. If you come in through the main entrance and over the Warwick Bridge uh, to get into the inside of the circuit, then there's a very large parking area off past the paddock, going down towards the Avenue Denton's Cascades area, and then around the inside of the smaller circuit to Nickerbrook and, and, and up the hill there. And then the other option is the Nickerbrook entrance where there's a large area of grass that you can park on there. 
and watch from Nickerbrook down to Britain's chicane, which is the uh, the first chicane on the run back up from Shell Oils. So there's there's three main parking areas. All of them you'll be parking on grass. Even the the media and the teams and the hospitality guests park on grass at most MSV circuits. And if it's been wet, then I'd recommend a, a pair of wellies. Otherwise, sensible shoes. A decent pair of boots is advisable. A reasonable pair of trainers will probably do the job. You've just got to be a little bit careful because this circuit, it, it's quite hilly. There's a lot of elevation change. And if it is damp and if it is muddy, it's it's quite easy to go um, back and overhead uh, on the way to where you want to view from. So on the subject of views, where is the best place to to view the racing, in your right. opinion? From public areas, there are a few places that you can view that are pretty darn good. Nickerbrook is one of them. You've got views from the outside of the circuit from the Nickerbrook entrance, where you get the cars coming from Britain's over Hilltop and then down into Hislops and Nickerbrook. Hislops and Nickerbrook is where everybody who follows British GT quite, uh, fairly closely will have seen the video of back in the early noughties with the Vipers and the Moslers and, 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 and whatnot when it rained and there was a just car after car coming into a pile-up. So that's where you're coming downhill, big braking zone, people misjudge it. Hilltop and Hislops is where, for the past two or three years, Ian Loggy's been involved in various accidents that weren't his fault because other people have got it wrong. On the lodge to Old Hall corner side of the circuit, all of that start finish straight, you can get pretty close to the track. There's obviously minimum safety margins that need to be kept in place but you can get pretty close to the track. Um, the other major benefit here is that until you get down to Old Hall, once you get past sort of Lodge before Deer Leap and then down to Old Hall Corner, there's no catch fencing in the way. So you, you, you're seeing the cars as, as they've seen them there since the circuit opened, basically. On the inside of the circuit, of course, you've got Clay Hill and Nickerbrook area, from from the other side so you're still getting those same views of the big braking zone into the hislop chicane but then you're catching the cars coming out of old hall corner down the avenue and into dentons and and, and the cascades before they go off to down the side of alton lake uh, what you can't really do um is get down to well what you can't do at all is get down past Island Bend and and down to the hairpin, the banked hairpin at the bottom of the circuit, Shell Oils. That is, I mean, even for media photographers, when there's cars on track, all the way down there is a red zone, so you're not allowed to move in it. Um, So if you get down to Shell Oils as a photographer at the start of a session, you're stuck there until the end of it. Public access ends down at the Britain chicane, so you can't get all the way down the bottom. So from a public access point of view, where is best to take a decent photo? Top three spots. If you look through some of my Alton Park shots from the past, and I'll, I'll, I'll dig a few out and we, we can put them on the Instagram or, or on the Twitter. In fact, quite a few of them were taken from public areas. I quite like the inside of Druids. It's a little forested area behind the rally stages because obviously Alton Park has has some some rally stages there as well for rally experiences. 
and you walk across the rally stages and you come to a, a copse of trees and as you get towards the other side of the copse of trees you come across the fence that protects you from going onto the circuit and you've got druid's corner now if you've listened to our rick parfit interview rick treats druids with a lot of respect it's a bold corner you go in there with a lot of speed the camber's strange it's very narrow on the exit so you're looking at cars that are i mean fourth gear fifth gear full-on commitment they're 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 knocking in there at well over 100 mile an hour and i quite like to go there and do slow shutter speed stuff get in the trees between the cars um so you get the streaks of green in front of the cars and then the cars coming through clear behind um the classic shot at alton park is the lodge shot and what you do for that one is you go down to the other side of the circuit on the outside of the circuit at deer leap there is a bridge at the end of the paddock which which lets you cross over from the campsite area um, on the infield over to the outside of deer leap what you want to do once you get there is go off the bridge hanger left and down the hill and get yourself as low as you can there is catch fencing in the way but as you get down low and shoot through the catch fencing you then get that lovely shot of the cars coming over the crest with the old gatehouse in the background and then the final place that i'd recommend going for photography is the top of uh, clay hill it doesn't sound like much you're coming out of a chicane coming over a hill and then sort of it's not even a corner really it's a they don't lift off they just angle the steering wheel slightly but you do get some nice shots that show depth and elevation i've got a photo that i really do like of the two jaguars from a couple of years ago where one is following the other and you can see that there's there's quite elevation change between them and all these shots are are available from public areas okay so the next question is probably not one that we're going to be able to address fully at the moment but in terms of food and drink at the circuit on a typical race weekend and of course we know that nothing about this year has turned out typical what are your options the fixed options are all centered around the edge of the paddock now because of covid19 the paddock is a closed off area this year it's flat out because of it's a working environment People are in there, they're trying to do their jobs. We don't want to be interfering with that and we don't want to be introducing contagions, etc. There is a fence around the paddock. You can't go in it. But on the public side of the fence is the Checkers restaurant, which is the the fixed restaurant for, for the circuit. And you've got a cafeteria style restaurant there. Uh, So you can go in and it's, your usual fare, there'll be chili, there might be lasagna, you'll get sausage rolls, the, the pastry type, not the the bits, a few sausages in a cob. Um, there'll be a salad option, a salad bar there as well. You'll be able to get cakes and, and coffees and, and ice creams and whatnot in there. Uh, I don't know what they're doing about eating in this year. Obviously, restaurants are opening up for eating but it's going to obviously going to need to be social, socially distanced and the cleaning is going to be uh, pretty um, uh, pretty extensive between customers. On the outside of that building, right by the gate to the paddock, there is a fast food style, hot dogs, burgers, bottles of pop, etc. 
that you can go to if you're after something to go or something that's not particularly healthy. Guess where I tend to hang around on a, a meal times on a race weekend? I'll give you a clue. I don't go into where the salad's kept. As you come down the hill from the paddock towards the avenue, there's usually a number of, you know, the, the festival uh, trailer things where you can get your hog roast or your pe- wood-fired pizzas and your and your whatnot. Uh, what I will say is, of course, it is a captive environment and the guys that are running these stands, they do they do have to pay quite highly for the rights to be there. So you're not looking at feeding a family of four and getting much change from a from a fifty pound note. <laughs> um, it isn't cheap, but it's got a lot better in the over the years. The food's not bad. Uh, in fact, it, it's pretty good. You'll probably find over at the Knickerbrook side that there'll be some vendors there in trailers as well, um, but. To be honest, I haven't spent that much time in the public areas on the Nickerbrook side of the circuit, so I don't know off the top of my head what, what, what is actually there. Of course, another thing that you might be looking for when you're at the circuit, a lot of people like to pick up a circuit sticker or an umbrella or a jacket to, to commemorate their visit. Um, the problem with Alton Park, uh, same with Snetterton actually, um, is that the shop the main shop for the for the memorabilia from the circuit for the merchandise is actually in the paddock now the paddock as i said is a closed off area for for this race meeting because of the virus they do have stocks of these things in the checkers restaurant at alton park so if you are after your umbrella or your memory stick uh baseball cap etc they should be able to provide it there and i'm guessing they'll have shifted stocks over there to to support the greater demand um this year at, at that location rather than in the shop now i know you're only coming on sunday this year yep but for those who wanted to make the full weekend of it and do the saturday and the sunday places to stay in the area right well when i do alton park even on a i mean when i do alton park for british gt it's usually a saturday monday affair um, so I will go home between the two days. But I don't tend to stay at Alton Park because home is only an hour and a half away and it's Woodhead Pass. So it's a nice twisty fun bit of road to drive. So fairly nearby, you have Chester, you have Crew. that's not... Crew's probably about 25, 30 minutes drive away. Uh, both big towns and cities, they'll have the usual range of, of big chain hotels. There's... In the area around the circuit, there's a number of more boutique hotels, B&Bs, etc. If you're looking on a slightly lower budget, then there is camping available. I mean, first of all, you're not you're not a million miles away from from the North Welsh coast. Places like D Side, which are holiday destinations, apparently. Um, so there's going to be camping around there. The static caravans. B&Bs, guest houses, etc. And if you don't want to leave the venue at all while you're there, you have to pay for it in advance on the circuit website. But there's camping at the circuit. There's showers there. There's toilets there that are going to be regularly cleaned, etc. Access to to water stand pipes. And the camping area is quite a nice part of the circuit. Um, just just past just past Old Hole Corner, they've built a proper 
a proper campsite. It wouldn't it wouldn't look out a place at Great Yarmouth or down on the south coast or somewhere like that for you to pitch your tent and have the facilities that you need there to to camp or caravan or motorhome. You said obviously you tend to commute, so where would you recommend is a good place to take a break on the way back, whether it's for a view, something to eat, or just to break your journey? Right. Uh, obviously, I come from Yorkshire side of the uh, Yorkshire side of the valleys between Manchester and Sheffield. Along that way, there's across Willow Pass. There's not a million places to stop and actually get something to eat. In fact, at the times that you'll be going to and from, there's a McDonald's at one end and a McDonald's at the other. And apart from that, you're you're, you're pretty much out of luck. Uh, if you decide to go the slightly longer way round, there's obviously service stations on the motorway network. Um, but if you're looking for for something a little bit less pricey, a bit more down to earth, uh, then there are various truck stops that will be open uh, that you can visit. And this is this is what I know off of off the top of my head. Of course, there's Lim Truck Stop, which is M6 M56, which is there's a sort of pub uh, bar and grill situation there mcdonald's greg's etc um if you're heading down towards uh, the birmingham way to get back then you've got obviously service stations all the way down and then if you come off at cannock which is the junction just before the m6 toll breaks off hang a left there and go about a mile a mile and a half down there's a newly refurbished place it's called the new hollies uh, Road Kings. It is a aimed at trucks, but families are welcome, and you get pretty good food in there, from burgers etc. to curries, and they do roast dinners on Sunday etc. Uh, those that aren't involved in the driving can get something more adult to drink while they're there as well. Um, you have a couple of hours there to break your break your journey. Heading north, if you're coming from the borders from from Scotland. Uh, on that one, I'm going to make one flat out recommendation, and that is T-Bay Services. It's a farm shop that happens to have spawned a motorway service station. All the food is fresh. All the food is uh, uh, sourced locally. Most of the meat is sourced from their own farms. Um, a little bit pricey, but it's well worth it. Macaroni cheese is the one to go for. Nice to hear. I think that about covers it. But if you think that we've missed a question off here or there's something else that you would like to know, then please let us know on our social media. We are planning to get other people um, involved. So if you're out in a particular direction and want to throw your answers up to us in terms of the next venue, then again, get on our social media, drop us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You've got the questions, but we'll pop them up as well. And uh, yeah, we'll see if we can't feature some on the show and give everyone a bit of an idea as to where the best things and are in terms of locations and what to do. Hi, I'm Angus Fender. I'm a McLaren GT3 driver for Two Seas Motorsport and you're listening to the British GT Fans Show. So in the GT4 class, again, we've, we've got a few cars that have been completely withdrawn. We've already touched on the fact that the two optimum motorsport McLarens uh, which were for Nick Moss and James Pickford, and for Brendan Iribe and Ollie Milroy. They've been withdrawn cars for sale. They are not turning up in a month of Sundays. We've we've got a couple of others. In fact, we've got four, five other cars 
the that have not appeared on either the Autumn Park or the full season entry list that were due to come. We knew Tolman Motorsport were having difficulties because McLaren decided to defer their driver development program. Those two cars have been taken off the entry list, although the team are still prepared to run the cars and they could come back as round-by-round entries, but there's no drivers for them yet. So we're, we're, we're counting those out, basically. The Balf Motorsport number 20 car for Graham Johnson and Michael O'Brien. That car has disappeared as well. Michael O'Brien has picked up a drive in a GT3 car. So good news for him. Graham, of course, is the money man for the GT4 car. Um, Given the fact that his main sponsor is a exhibition, not the best year to be advertising on the side of race cars. I'm guessing that might be the reason why that car's been pulled. Century Motorsport have a a BMW of their own that was entered for the full season, but it had no drivers against it. That's a number 43 car, and that has, again, disappeared from the entry list, which just leaves us one of the Academy Motorsport Ford Mustangs. There were two cars at the start of the year, Uh, There is now only one car showing. The number 62 of Will Moore and Matt Nickel-Jones has been withdrawn from the entry list. So Will Moore and Matt Nickel-Jones won't be racing this year in the championship. That does still leave us with a small but well-formed GT4 grid, which is topped by Balfe Motorsport, the number 21 car. That's still there. That's Mia Fluitt and Ewan Hankey. Ewan, of course, uh, is is well known to the championship. Mia is making her full season debut. She did selected rounds last year, having graduated from pure McLaren. What do we think of the number 21 Balfour Motorsport McLaren guys? I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, I think I think we've got some decent driver talent in it. And um, again, one of Balfour is one of those teams that can, you know, we, we know it can prepare a car, so... I would certainly say these t- these guys are going to be in the points, uh, if not podiuming, uh, this uh, a lot this year. Mia showed well in a few appearances last year. She did have a different driver uh, partner last year. Ewan Hankey's obviously a McLaren development driver. So they plenty of experience with the car. Mia's driven it a lot, obviously GT and then obviously Pure Series. But they'll do good. And, of course, freed from the distraction uh, of running a, a full-season campaign in GT3 there's going to be more attention at certain rounds that can be paid to that car. So it's, it, it's, it's a definite contender, that one. Next up on the entry list, and this is the one that I think we are all delighted has survived the turmoil of the past few months, uh, because this is the Toyota GR Supra GT4. Sam Smelt and James Kell are the driving talent for Speedworks Motorsport. Uh, who bring the Toyota to the series for the first time. I don't know what to expect with this one. Until we see the Toyota on track with the other cars, we don't know what the car is capable of compared to its its competitors. We do know that Speedworks, well, if there's an organisation that knows which end of the spanner to hold, it's Speedworks. Um, so not got any worries with the engineering side of it. It's just the fact that it's the only brand spanking new, never tested, never run, no reference point GT4 car that, that that's currently available. 
I just I don't know what to don't know what to expect from it. Certainly a welcome addition to the to the paddock in in terms of uh, the team speedworks and the car which has raced out in Europe in a couple of championships as so far. Sam he, he I don't think he had the best time um, last year in, in the all four Mustang. So hopefully the Supra suits his suits his style better and he can get he can get some decent points on the board this year. Sam's problems last year weren't his fault. They weren't race performance's fault. That was that was a, a very political operation. And from what I understand, really that particular Mustang got second best of everything. So I, d- I don't think you can put Sam's performances last year d- down to Sam. Stella Motorsport are next on the full season entry list with the Audi R8 LMS GT4. Uh, that car, unfortunately, isn't on the Autumn Park entry list, so we won't be seeing that for the first two rounds of the championship. Uh, and we also don't have any drivers assigned to the car yet, so we're we're still in the holding pattern we've been in for the past six months, basically. I don't really think there's much we can say about this one, is it, guys? No, except for, you know, it's good that Stella are uh, still putting faith in the championship and still keeping the cars entered, so... They just need to find the drivers and, and get out of there on the track. And they have upgraded the um, R8 as well. They put the new Evo pack on their GT4 car. They ordered it pretty much straight away. So the car's in there looking lovely, ready to go. And they had a decent season with it last year. Once they get some decent drivers, again, it's um, they should have a decent year with it again. The next car up on the Alton Park entry list isn't on the full season entry list. Um, so we're, we're actually gaining one for selected rounds here from the first outing. It's entered as Century Motorsport, but people that follow club-level endurance and GT racing will recognise the name that I'm going to pronounce terribly now, and Andrew's going to correct me, Team Tajiwa. This is Luke Sadowski, and again, I'm going to mangle pronunciations on this one and David Whitmore. They've been racing together for a few years now. Uh, They've done brick car, they've done club endurance, and they've decided they want to take the step up. So the number 33 BMW M4 GT4 is being run by Sentry, but it's actually the guy's own car. So it does mean there is a spare Sentry BMW if anybody's got some money burning a hole in their pocket and they want to go racing in a BMW. That that the the second car is still available, but it's a selected rounds, and this is an am am effort. It's not pro am, and it's not silver. I I like these the ethos behind these efforts, these am am efforts. I know I've been uncomplimentary about the other am am effort we've had recently, which is GCAT racing, but I do like the idea of an am am effort in a championship at the level of British GT and it's not the the only AMAM effort we've had in GT4 recently um, because one of the Jaguars ran as AMAM at the last round last year it'd be nice to see it and from the photos you'll definitely see it because the colour scheme on this car isn't isn't timid I just I, I, I don't know enough about the drivers to say where they're going to be come come their first race meeting 
Well, we do we do know we do know that the Century can can put a car out on track and 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 get it into race winning condition. We know that the um, BMW can you know is powerful enough to take that race win. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I'm, I'm much like yourself. I I don't I don't know the drivers, and on a race by race basis, hopefully you know we might see them up the up the top end of the field. But in terms of their their rankings. Again, this is what I'm going to say. I say this about GCAT. This is what you know. This, this is what this is what um, SRO build their their customer base around these these AM drivers coming in, and spending their money. So they're there doing what what the championship is there to to do to do for them. So you can only wish them wish them wish them well and and hope to see them up the front. And directly below the team to Giwa to Giwa, uh, BMW is the official Century Motorsport entry. Andrew Gordon Colebrook and Ben Hurst in the 43. Silver Cup entry. And as Andrew was saying, Century now to put a car together. We know the BMW's got pace. We're looking here at two drivers that are more than capable of of running a, a very, very strong race. With the with the field the way that it is, we could be looking at, if not potential champions, the people that are pushing the potential champions right to the final, right, right to the final checkered flag here. Definitely, I'd, I'd expect to see these guys at the front. Um, you know, they had a, you know, Andrew had a half decent um, um, run last year, so got Ben in the car with him now, and uh, he, should, he should have, a, he should have a, he should have a run at the championship, I think. Now, one of the few teams to to get through. The, the past few months, pretty much unscathed in GT4, uh, are HHC Motorsport. They've got two cars again, both McLaren 570S GT4s, the 57 and the 58. Uh, now, we knew the 57 uh, from Media Day was going to be Chris Vismel and Gus Bowers. That has survived the turmoil unchanged. And we recently had the announcement that Jordan Collard and Patrick Matheson would be occupying the second car for the year. I, I, th- I think this is a this this is a strong pairing as well. Um, we know the McLaren's got pace. Um, we've got four drivers there that that that, that, can, that, that can do the business. Uh, both entered in silver cup as well. Um, so there's going to be a challenge to the to the might of the BMWs and to the might of the, the Aston Martins as well, isn't there? So with the um, HAC, also the former champions of GT4, um, Patrick in the second 58 car, he was supposed to be taking part with HAC in GT4 Europe, but they've pulled that um, entry this year. So that's why he's now racing in British GT this year. Yeah, at, at this driver pair, and I'll say that Jordan and Patrick are probably the, the, the favourites. I'm not too sure on Chris and Gus. I'm afraid myself. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd certainly expect to see Jordan and Patrick. Um, just a side note: that'll be the that'll be the uh, first pairing of a father and son out on track out um, this year as well with Jordan and uh, Rob Collard. And then of course you got Stuart Proctor and and Lewis out there um, as well this year. It don't, I don't know whether it'll be the first. It depends on whether. Richard Neary and Sam Neary get out on track first, or who's close? Yes, to the sorry, yeah, 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 so yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah. But it's 
It also, is also last year, didn't we have a certain um, Prio and Prio racing in District, Yes, yes we did. We did at Spa. We did. We did. Oh, we did it? at Spa. Yeah, but it I, is I, turning I, into I a bit of a dads and lads weekend. It is. Yeah, I was. I, I was. I was only going about this year, but of course, yeah. There's. Uh, there's. There's the Neeries at the top of the. There's the Neeries out in GT3. It might be the first time in quite a long time that we've had a dad and lad sharing a car, though. Mm, might be. We do still have. One of the Ford Mustangs uh, in the championship. We we lost one of the Academy Motorsport cars over the over the shutdown, but Jordan Albert and Matt Cowley are still good to go in the number sixty seven Mustang. Now we know that this effort is Academy Motorsport, who have always been there or thereabouts, massively supported by Multimatic, who not only ran the cars to pretty much as close as you can get to a title without taking the title last year. What are we thinking from this one? I was surprised that they've actually dropped the second car that Will Moore and Matt Nickel-Jones, the team boss, was supposed to be driving in the official seller for the seller for the car now. They took over from Multimatic to do that for them. I thought they'd have both out to advertise the fact that these are the cars. They've, they've prayed them both around quite a lot since they've had them. And they're in the lovely... Camouflage delivery. And Matt, I thought, I'm going to guess these will put all up here as selected rounds, um, depending on budget reasons. I'm going to go, but Jordan, former McLaren development driver, and obviously uh, Matt Cowley making his, um, moving across from the European series down to over to us, British GT. Um, they probably put more money in, so they're going to keep going. And the, 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 the thing here, of course, it's the same question of optics as it is with, with some of the guys up in GT3. If if Matt has been forced during the shutdown to furlough some of his staff because they're not allowed him to do any work anyway, does it look right that he goes out racing for this season when guys have been on, on part pay and whatever? That might be part of the reason behind it, but I don't know. I've not spoken to him. I, th- I, think, I think that could be a reasonable explanation for a lot of the pull-outs this year. Um, you know, these guys are... You know, successful businessmen, and if they've had to furlough staff this year, then as you say, the optics of it is I'm spending money going racing when I when I could be making sure that you know several of my staff still have jobs. So um, maybe on a race by race basis, as I say, uh, as Andrew says. Um, in terms of this entry, um, I think this I think this is a a front runner at least um, with Multimatic's help. Hopefully, uh, Academy can get on top of the cars quite quickly and 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 do the business. So, the final cars on the GT4 entry list, both for Alton Park and for the full season, are the two Aston Martin V8 Vantage AMR GT4s, the 95 and the 97 from TF Sport. Driver lineups unchanged from Media Day, so Conor O'Brien and Patrick Kibble and Jamie Caroline and Daniel Vaughan in the second car. Um, I think we've all said at some point in the past in the past few episodes that Conor O'Brien and Patrick Kibble are, are looking pretty strong for the championship. Um, the thing that is now occurring is that there is one part-time AMAM entry, one full-time Pro-AM entry, and the rest is Silver Cup. So they're going for the Silver Cup Championship. Then all of the GT4 cars are their competition, pretty much. These two cars do seem the obvious contenders for the championship. 
Connor's added is this, I think you said before, this is second year. Patrick's his second year uh, with the with the car. Connor's new to Connor's new to TF Sport. He was with Optimum last year. Uh, Jamie Caroline has been around for a while. He's a good, he's a good, very good driver. Um to do F4, one nearly every round. Daniel Vaughan has been racing in Porsche Super uh, Porsche Super Cup. I say these two seem the obvious contenders for the championship. It just seems strange that these are the only two Aston Martins on the grid from a couple of years ago when it was the Aston Martin Aston Martin British GT Championship. Now we're down to two Aston Martins. Yeah, I, I, I expect to I see I expect to see both these entries podiuming quite regularly. Um all the drivers have good experience and have uh, proven um race capability. So uh, personally for myself, um favourite for myself is probably Conor O'Brien and Patrick Kevill to take uh, more honours than you than the other pairing, but you know, it could it could work out completely the opposite way around, of course. So uh, we're looking at this entry list, and in terms of defending champions, we don't actually have any apart from Ollie Wilkinson, whose decision to return to the UK rather than going to Europe this year, I mean, he could defend his Silver Cup championship. What I want you guys to to give me now, because we've we've done this before, we've done it a couple of times before, and our picks with the exception of the number 95 Aston Martin, have all withdrawn. So do you still think the number 95 Aston Martin is going to be the champion in GT4? And who do we think at the end of the year will lift the big pot and be the overall British GT champion? I'll go with 95 for GT4. Um, GT3... Take your pick, really. I don't know. <laughs> a McLaren. There, there you go. I'm going to stick with McLaren, but pick a McLaren, any McLaren. Go with that. Um, I'm yeah. I'm looking at this entry list, and from the GT4s, uh, I don't think anything can really distract from. Well, it, of course you can, or you can you can distract from the, the 95. But um, I think I think they're probably favourites. GT3. <laughs> Could it be Barwell's year this year? I mean, Bannon and Keane, uh, it could be. Uh, I think there are strong contenders uh, elsewhere. I know who I want to see win with Mr. Mr. Dehan and Mr. Kajula. Um, but, you know, it, it, is, it is take your pick, as Andrew says. I mean, you, you could just you know, you could throw a dart into that intro list and, and pick a winner out, really. I think uh, maybe. Yeah, it's 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 going to be it's going to be a tough one, and you know I'll 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 make my mind up a bit further into the season. <laughs> I'm just going to say diplomatic like that. Halfway through the Silverstone race. Yeah, <laughs> about five minutes from the end of the last race, mate. We're <laughs> freezing to death, standing trackside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the middle of November. This this is British GT. If you're calling it five minutes before the end of the final race, you're calling it about four and a half minutes too early. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to. I'm looking at this entry list. The 95 car still shouting at me. I am going to say that the that the number 43, the, the Gordon Colebrook Hurst BMW, is going to be a strong contender. In, in GT3, I would love for Adam Ballon and Phil Keane to take, the, take it. I would. 
But what I would also love to see, and I think we potentially could, would be the number 96 take the overall championship. We'll have a silver cup car take the overall championship. Ollie Wilkinson and Lewis Proctor. There is one thing I am prepared to say with absolute certainty. The GT4 Pro-Am champion at the end of the year is going to be Mia Fluitt and you and Hanky. Because they're the only cars entered in the class. You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. You can find us on social media at BGTF Show. Or visit our website www.bgtfshow.co.uk. Also visit our partners. British GT Fans on Facebook. On Instagram and Twitter, it's Fans of British GT. Now, you may have remembered in a previous episode of the show, we did talk about the fact that there will be a British GT fan show entry into some esports. The first race of this took place recently, and Nick, tell us a little bit about it and how it went. It was my first time racing in uh, an officially sanctioned esports series for about five years. The last one I did, which I entered for the full series and only got one round out of, was the first ever British GT esports race uh, organised by Tora. Um, so I decided that now that I'm a having a bit more time on my hands, that it might be a good idea as I'm producing content related to British GT to race in the official esports series. So I built up the car and we're racing the 2011 McLaren MP4-12C GT3 in the championship. Uh, The first race that I contested was at Silverstone. It was a one-hour race uh, with a single driver and two mandatory pit stops. I qualified not not particularly brilliantly. I qualified towards the back of of, um, Lobby 5. Now, there's 22 cars on Lobby, and there was only about 100 or so GT3 cars involved. Uh, only a hundred or so GT3 cars. I, I think I was probably one lobby above bottom, and I qualified towards the back of the GT3 cars in that. But as I I have always maintained, I race better than I qualify. So when the lights went out, I did my level best to keep up with the uh, with the faster cars ahead. Spent much of the race running on my own, apart from the first few laps where I had a a fantastic battle with one of the cars that was on my level of pace and another one that had been pitched into a to a spin by the eventual winner of the race um who was uh, later disqualified because it turned out he wasn't running the correct restrictions on his car so he had too much power so but but he pitched this this bmw that should have been running at the front into a spin and then myself and a mercedes that was similarly paced to me we had a we had, we had a good dice for a few laps I decided to pit early to get A, a bit of clean air and B, to get one of the two mandatory stops out of the way because you only need one stop to do an hour in a GT3 car on Forza Motorsport 7, uh, the platform for the game. Got that start stop out of the way, which put me back into the GT4 traffic. Didn't get the clean air that I wanted, broke free, but then I, I didn't really get back onto terms with the rest of the GT3 field. Uh, towards the end of the race when obviously the cars that I was racing with at the start took both of their stops so I did my stop as say first one early on second one just after the halfway mark when I knew I could get home with, without any problems when the cars that had run long took their second stop it dropped the Mercedes back into my clutches 
and we had a, a nice ding dong battle for oh, about four or five laps. I've never had to drive such a wide McLaren in my life, but I managed to keep him behind me. He had on the final lap a half to three quarters spin coming through through Chapel. I have absolutely no idea how you drop a car coming through <laughs> coming through Chapel. Most people sort of get halfway down the hangar straight and end up on the grass, but no, he managed to be pointing back towards Maggots and Beckett's, uh, which let me get away. Come the end of the race, unfortunately, I sort of queued up behind all the other cars so that the results could be taken. And this chap obviously hadn't read the memo because he went round to get his lap back. We'd both been lapped at that point. He was scored ahead of me, but he did actually finish behind. So I didn't lose. Which is good. And you can only build on that, really, as well. Now, I know that you were streaming this onto Twitch. Um, unfortunately, there was an issue and it didn't save. We've, we've, we've fixed that minor technical issue. And the next race, which is, is two 30-minute races, Virginia International Raceway, full layout. Not a circuit that I'm particularly gifted at. They're saying that judging by my performance on my home track, I'm not particularly gifted at any circuit. But I'm getting there now with with with, um, with VIR. I'm I'm sort of starting to understand how how the corners string together, and I'm working on a on an improved setup for the car as well. You spend quite a lot of time making sure that the car is as tuned and as good as it can be um, in advance of the race. And I know a big part of Forza as well is is the fact that you can create liveries that are as simple or as intricate as you like and our car is branded as such um if you haven't already seen it it is on our youtube channel which if you search for bgtf show um there's a nice little preview and look round of it how much time do you tend to spend in preparation for practice and tuning and and getting to know the circuit before a race now my my recent esports experience is obviously preparing for for the Toro Championship and a World Endurance wannabe championship by an organisation called Art of Endurance. They're a bunch of American lads that organise an an endurance racing series. Um, my preparation ahead, I mean, the car, the livery is pretty much set. It's, it's tuning the car that is 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 necessary. The standard basic setup on the car, it's well, it's it, it's like an arrive and drive setup. It's not suited to to the to the driver of the vehicle. Some drivers prefer a car that's very on the nose. So you turn the wheel, the car goes where it wants to. The back end will you, you might have to fight the back end to keep it in control. Um, but they, they they prefer a car that the Americans call it loose, um, what we would call oversteer. Um, so you. That's where you get the nice, exciting photos of cars coming round corners sideways. Um, other drivers prefer a car with a little bit of understeer in it or push. Um, understeer inherently safer, apparently, but in the virtual world, safe doesn't necessarily matter quite as much. I'm I pre- I prefer a car where the back end is pretty solid, and that you have to to transfer the weight between. I've not quite got the setup right for the way that I like the car to turn in and how I want the power. I've never been a particularly good tuner. Um, I'm learning as I go with this one, and it's a case of change a setting, do a few laps, change it again, do a few laps, and see what the difference is. 
so in the run up to an event, I'll I'll do some, um, but I'll do uh, hot lap testing basically, chasing the ghost of faster cars. So drivers that have set a faster faster time in a time trial, and I'll, I'll chase the ghost of their car to learn the way that they're they're getting around the circuit. And then in the week before the event, first of all, week before the event, I won't play any other racing game. It will be Forza only, and it will be in the right setup for the race. So I'm getting used to so I'm getting used to the environment that I'm going to be racing in. In the couple of days before the race, I will look to do at least two full race simulations. So I run a full race distance. I apply the pit stop so I know how the tires are going to react. I know how the fuel is going to burn, et cetera, et cetera. Um, basically, I, I try to treat it as real as possible without having to put on a fire suit and a helmet and uh, the risk of doing myself an injury if I catch a barrier. Mm. Obviously, esports in general have exploded, um, especially during lockdown. But before then as well, it's definitely grown in popularity over the last couple of years. Now, you were previously racing five years ago. How do you think the landscape has changed since then and now? And how much more seriously are you having to take it? I've always raced for fun. I I, I don't... Yeah, yeah. If you're going to be at the top in these things, you need to dedicate time to it. And I'm talking serious time. Um, we're talking hundreds of hours of preparation for a race. I might, I might do... 30 40 hours of preparation for a race over a three-week period getting ready for it the other nice thing that has come in is with forza um because it's a microsoft studios title we can now play uh, and, and engage in, in competition with people on other platforms in terms of pc now we're never going to get a situation where i could race against my colleagues at tcf that use a playstation because Microsoft and PlayStation sworn enemies. It's just not going to happen. But it is nice that, for example, you don't have uh, an Xbox One, so you can't play Forza 7 on a console. But you can stick it on your computer, and then if you're playing it on your computer and I'm playing it on my console, we can play together. Allegedly. Yes, it's not working out quite as planned, that one, <laughs> is it? Not um, yet. Yeah, a, a little sneak preview of some news that was going to come out, but now probably isn't, is the fact that Sarah was considering taking a second BGTF show car. But if she can't connect to the races, there's no point in me building it. Teething so, problems, shall we say. <laughs> yes. Um, so there is more competition out there, even in this series, because there's more people that can actually access the the, the gaming. The other thing is, if, if you're going to do multiple racing series, you've got to put a bit of money into it. Because, I mean, the latest Forza game is now down to 35 quid, but it was 50 quid when I got it, when it was new. Um, and dependent upon which version you get as well, you're still talking 50 quid, because obviously we've been looking at it for... Yeah, I mean, and then even mine. Mine is a full version, but not the ultimate. And even mine... If I wanted to race in the same vehicle as the one that won on the track but got disqualified, that's downloaded content that I have to pay for. Um, so there's some serious money going behind it. I mean, the, the, the cars at the head of the table at the moment, uh, the Porsche is, is um, 
is generally available. But the Aston Martin, for example, that's downloaded content. The the BMW, the M6, which sits third, fourth, sixth, seventh. So most of the top ten has got most of the top tens are the big cars, uh, the, the 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 BMWs, and there's a there's a Bentley in there as well, I think. Um, but that's a downloaded content, so either you need to pay for the season pass or you need to pay for actually having that car, and that's just in one title. So if you're doing a the British GT, you need Forza. If you're doing IndyCar series, for example, then you need to have um i racing if you're doing brick car you need to have our R- factor uh, and and this and other there's some serious expense involved these days and so do you think there is kind of scope for it to be um where you do end up at a point where you have an amateur league and a professional league i know you have professional teams and there are uh, plenty of of games out there that have kind of pro series <coughs> up there but do you see something like that happening within kind of the racing arenas we are already there the the racing series that have been run during lockdown where fans can get involved if you're not a full-time paid sim racer then you didn't have a chance the the digital nls the digital digital vln basically it's it's all professional teams at the top of that um, the digital, the 24 hours of Le Mans Virtual is again top, top teams, and we're talking teams that are linked with Formula One teams as an official branch of a Formula One team. I guess that's kind of more what I'm getting at because you're going to have the ones mm. that are attached. Because mm. I mean, I know from interviews that we've had um, on the show previously, you know, the the drivers have said that some racing is a good way to keep them engaged and kind of keep their skills up even if it's not the same as being on the track but I guess more what I was thinking of was kind of having a kind of almost a set criteria where actually if your equipment is above a certain standard then you would be classed as a as a professional rather than just you know everyone being a bit of a mishmash but then also you I guess you've got the possibility of having things like driver gradings as well and you've got the chance to kind of do it through skill and not just the fact that you've got upwards of ten grand to spend on a on a full sim because you know some of the equipment out there is that expensive. I mean, I've seen stuff when I've been looking for a gaming chair in PC world where it's six grand. Yeah, uh, the the big name in in just racing seats for for gaming is a company called PlaySeat. And and what they're selling there is just a seat with somewhere to attach a steering wheel, steering wheel not included, somewhere to attach some pedals, pedals not included, <laughs> and somewhere to attach a gear shifter. Guess what? That's not included either. Neither is um, the space to keep it. <laughs> no, which is why I've not got it. And it's, it's not the uh, £1,700 price tag for this seat just because it's got Red Bull painted on the back of it. No, it, it's purely the fact I've not got the space for it is is, is the reason I've not got it. <laughs> but again, I think it was Martin Plowman who came on very early in the in, in in the life of the show. He was one of our first guests. In fact, possibly was our first. And he was talking about 
his esports that he was doing with um, with uh, Bentley um, in the SRO series, and how he had to buy a upgrade a wheel and things like that, and direct drive. You, you need direct drive to get the feedback to to have a chance of keeping up with the professional sim racers. And you need to have the pedals that give you the feedback as well. I mean, you've seen my pedal setup. It's pretty basic. I've got a plastic accelerator pedal and a plastic brake pedal. And I have managed to modify my set pedal setup to give a little, more, a little bit more resistance on the brake pedal. And you know what? It's still got more resistance than a Fiat Panda. Not hard. Not hard at all. <laughs> but the, the, the way that I've modified it is a very high-tech solution of shoving a dishwashing sponge down the back of the brake pedal. <laughs> it's like, uh, like, like, like I say, I have neither the budget nor the time to dedicate uh, to, to running at the top of virtual racing. But it's why I like Tora as well. Because, I mean, there are, there are proper teams involved here. I've got people here that are racing for ART or ART. We've got people that are racing for SVR, which is another sim racing team the big one that we see is ddr um and they they're very heavily involved in actual the running of toro as well so there, there's there's a lot of teams involved but then as you scroll down the, the the results table and you've got to scroll a fair way down but then you're starting to see names that are coming up without what you would probably identify as a clan tag and so the initials of the racing organization ahead of their gamertag their identifying name you've got to get down sort of 50 60 entries before you're starting to get people that aren't obviously associated with a with, with a racing team in it but then down towards the bottom i mean in gt3 there's 113 cars that have scored points slightly embarrassingly the lowest ranked gt3 car with points is matt hunter who is the boss of Tora. <laughs> but um, there's 113, 113 cars there. And I say, I'm, I'm doing it for fun. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. I'm doing it because it might bring a little more attention to the show. But mainly I'm doing it because I like racing. And I like sim racing. Uh, and I'm 99th after one round. Now, there's already been two rounds of the championship before I've even turned up. So I can't be that bad. Time will tell as we get through the season. Yeah, time will tell as we get the <laughs> first corner at VIR because it's a bit of a pig. <laughs> uh, the professionals get it wrong there all the time. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to seeing it. And obviously we will keep everyone informed as to what's happening and when. So keep an eye on the social media feeds. As we said, Nick will be streaming to his Twitch channel and we'll pop all the details up on there as well um, and we'll bring you the news as we have it. Yep, I'm Twitch forward slash Godric VXR and the next race is uh, two rounds at VIR, uh, Virginia in International Raceway uh, on the weekend, the Sunday after Autumn Park and that starts at about 8 o'clock in the evening. 15 minutes of qualifying and then two one hour uh, sorry two 30 minute races thanks for listening to the British GT Fan Show 
Remember, the show is for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed, reproduced or used in any form without permission. For more information or to get in touch, please visit www.bgtfshow.co.uk. Thanks for listening.